Welcome to Christmas Eve at Laguna Presbyterian Church. This is the day the Lord has made. We are rejoicing and, and glad in it. Merry Christmas to you. Turn to your neighbors and uh, share the peace of Christ with one another. I'm just greeting a couple here that I married 23 years ago. We haven't seen each other for 23 years, but uh, we're all still standing and we're going. And we've, we've had a great evening, uh, two very jammed services earlier. And um, the cause of this season is the birth of Jesus, our Savior and Lord. And so with Christians around the world, we turn our hearts toward Bethlehem to worship the Christ child, our Savior and Lord, and the only chance that our world has for peace. We are grateful that we can be together this evening. Uh, at the conclusion of the service this evening, we're going to join in the Rose Garden to the north side of the, of the sanctuary, and we're going to sing Silent Night, Holy Night. If the wind dies down a little bit, we'll light some candles, but if not, we'll be out there and we will sing together. Tomorrow morning, well, December 25th, Christmas Day, Sunday. A great day, and we're going to be back here at the 10 o'clock hour to worship the Lord and uh, beautiful singing, great Christmas carols, anthems, scripture readings, and a message from my associate, uh, Kathy, because by in the morning, I probably won't have a voice left. <laughs> but uh, grateful to see you all. Uh, let's pray together. Lord, uh, we do... Lift our hearts up to you this evening. We believe that you've decreed from all, from the very beginning, that you would rescue this world and that you would come to us incarnate in the flesh as Jesus of Nazareth, full of grace and truth. We thank you that you have come to rescue us and that you found us and lifted us up into the light. This evening we celebrate that light. Fill our hearts with joy and peace. We pray in his name. Amen. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. We rejoice for the one born tonight is Jesus the Christ. All glory to you, great God, for the gift of your Son, light in darkness and hope of the world, whom you sent to save us. Let the heavens ring, let the earth rejoice. On this night we light the Christ candle. Glory to God in the highest. Amen.
Join me in a responsive call to worship that you will find printed in your bulletin. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests on his shoulders. And he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Christ is born in Bethlehem. Glory to God in the highest. Let us stand and praise God together.
Let us pray. Let your goodness, Lord, appear to us that we made in your image may conform ourselves to it. In our own strength, we cannot imitate your majesty, power, and wonder, nor is it fitting for us to try. Your mercy reaches from the heavens through the clouds to the earth below. You have come to us as a small child, but you have brought us the greatest of all gifts, the gifts of eternal love. Generous God, you give us the greatest gift of all, yourself. We find it hard to stop and to take notice. We are caught up with our own gifts, given and received. Forgive us, generous God, for the casual way we treat your gift of love. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. Hear us now as we make before you our silent confessions. My friends, do not be afraid. For see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Messiah the Lord. Authority rests on his shoulders. In Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, our sins are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Amen. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees, oh hear the angel voices, oh night divine, oh night, when Christ was born, oh Sweet it. 
draw your attention to the gospel reading this evening, Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 2, the Christmas story that we have all heard many times. We can never hear it enough because it contains the fullness of the good news of God sending His Son into the world to prove His love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Luke chapter 2. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For see, I'm bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom He favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that, the Lord, that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. And so they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. And when they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Ten days ago or so, we were finishing our staff meeting on a Tuesday morning, and we're leaving to go have uh, our lunches we do every week over at the lumberyard. And we walked through the Rose Garden, the three of us pastors, and we um, walked past the creche that we'll be gathered around and seeing later this evening. And as we entered Forest Avenue on the sidewalk there, we noticed that a woman was walking toward us. And she was pushing what seemed to be a baby carriage. And she had the most beautiful smile on her face. 
it was evident that she had something that she wanted to share with us. So as we moved closer together, she came up to us and said, i got to tell you a story. And my friend, if you are here this evening, you didn't know that you were, you were going to launch the Christmas Eve message tonight. But it's such a great story. Her grandson had been standing in front of the crash, the nativity scene, looking at Joseph and Mary, and the animals and the angels, and at the baby in the manger. And he turned around and asked his grandmother, who's this baby? And the grandmother responded, it's the baby Jesus. And he turned around with wide eyes and a smile and awestruck. And he proclaimed to his grandmother, oh, Jesus lives in Laguna Beach. And I said to her as we were walking away, well, Jesus has been living in Laguna Beach for a long time now. <laughs> and we're evidence of that here tonight. My associate said to me, now that's a sermon illustration. And so here we are, Christmas Eve. And as followers of Jesus, we are reminded that in some sense we live identified with two separate cities, one the capital of the empire and the other a small little village in Bethlehem of Judea. Luke wants us to know that the events surrounding the birth of Jesus occurred at a time when Caesar Augustus was on his throne in Rome. He was a stepson of Julius Caesar. And at Caesar's assassination, the generals and the armies of Rome began to make war amongst themselves. It was a very unstable time. But after Caesar Augustus, had defeated the other generals and the other armies. He established himself on the throne of the empire. He unified the world. He imposed the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. He built roads. He introduced a common law and order into a civilized world that always just trembled on the brink of chaos. And it was in that world, in that political, economic, religious context with Herod the Great on the throne in, in Israel, with Quirinius, the governor of Syria, promoting the taxation and census, a representative of Rome. It was in that world that was characterized by arrogant pride, by cruelty, by ruthless power that left millions of people behind and neglected the needs of the common people. It was in that world dominated by the will to power where might makes right. It was in that world that the Messiah was born. 
But juxtaposed with that vision is this proclamation of good news that Jesus was born to Joseph and Mary and placed in a manger in an out-of-the-way village in the backwater of the end of the Roman Empire. And there, God made himself known in a way that he had not been known before. He became enfleshed, incarnate in Jesus to a poor couple so that when God chose to reveal himself, he chose the way of downward mobility rather than upward mobility that characterizes the world. What a difference that makes. Augustus proclaimed himself to be the savior of the world. He united the world through the means of power and army and cruelty. But Jesus, the Son of God, when he was born, came in the lowly context of poverty and danger, choosing the way of downward mobility, of humility, in order to reveal who God really is and the quality of God's grace and truth revealed in history. And this is not just an ancient myth or a story to entertain us. This is a message deeply rooted in history in the contrast between these two kingdoms of the kingdoms of this world and the kingdom of God. And the truth is, we all belong to both of these kingdoms. We're all Romans in a sense. We love law and order. And we value power. And we affirm ambition. And climbing the ladder and make it to the top. We affirm all of these things of working hard in order to get ahead. I have to tell you this. Every time I look at my U.S. passport, I am so grateful to be an American citizen. There are people all over this world who would like to have that passport. I'm so grateful. But the other dynamic in my life is that I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God, of the kingdom of heaven. And I have a baptismal certificate that says at a time and a place I was baptized into Jesus Christ that he claimed my life and introduced into the bloodstream of my humanity the power of love and humility, of faith, of hope and love. And sometimes there's a warfare between these two cities within me and I suspect within all of us as we are called, as Jesus was called, Though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God as something to be exploited, but rather emptied himself and took upon himself the form of a slave and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee in heaven and on earth and under the earth, 
should confess that Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord. The Spirit of Jesus has set up in my heart, and I suspect in yours, a commitment to the way of humility. If you look in Bethlehem, it was about 335 to 337 A.D. that the first Christian emperor of the empire, Constantine, he and his mother went about the Middle East establishing the sites of all the stories of the Bible. And the place that they established as the traditional site of the birth of Jesus was in Bethlehem. And there they built the first church in the late 4th century. As a result of earthquake and fire and warfare, it got destroyed in many ways, but in 600 A.D. it was rebuilt and it's been added to. But it's one of the most interesting basilicas and churches in the world. To get into that church, you have to go through the front door that is called the Door of Humility. It's a very small door, and you have to bend down and almost crawl into the basilica in order to find your way into the birthplace of Jesus. The building itself proclaims a powerful theology of the humility of God. And if you, you move through that church, it looks like it hasn't been painted or dusted for centuries. You go down into a stairwell into a grotto underneath the altar of it and there in the side of the room is a little place that looks like a fireplace and in the middle of the marble that's on the floor there is a beautiful silver star and pilgrims come from everywhere to kneel down to touch the star where tradition says the manger of Jesus was and where Jesus as a baby was placed. They say their prayers in the hubbub and the noise. I'll never forget 1996 being in the Roman Catholic Church's grotto that is connected with the Church of the Nativity grotto, one cave, huge. Pilgrims from all over the world were in that room and we were singing Christmas carols together. We all had the same melody, but different language. And we were singing in Korean and Japanese, in English and Spanish, and German and French and other languages of the world where people believe in and follow a common Lord who is the hope of the world. And it gave to me a vision of what God has longed to do from before the foundation of all time, and that is to unite all things in Christ, to reconcile us to himself into one new humanity so that there is no longer walls of hostility, but there are open doors of humility and love that call us all to a new way of living. And it is the only way that can save our world. Caesar Augustus can't. Only Jesus can. And so we think of that first century world of Bethlehem and Jerusalem 
and of Rome so filled with violence and danger, so filled with ambition and pursuit of power and wealth, not unlike our own day. We think of that world, and it's a very troubled world. It's still a troubled world. And people suffer in this world. I was reading a sermon of one of my favorite Episcopalian pastors, Fleming, Fleming uh, uh, just her last name skips me, Rutledge, thank you. I should know it well. I've spent enough time with her in her books. But she wrote a book called The Bible and the New York Times. Now, most people think that the Bible and the New York Times have nothing in common, that they're all news, either good news or bad news. But she wrote, and this was her text from Luke chapter 2 on that evening. She was preaching this sermon at a church in New York State that she had served 17 years before, and she had come back to preach. And her sermon was called um, A Magical Kingdom. And she was arguing that what we all search for in this season is magic. That is, a world where good always wins, where no one suffers, where there is no disease, or broken relationship, where the story always has a good ending. This is what she said. According to the front page article in the New York Times, the Christmas Eve sermon is supposed to be the most difficult to write. I could go through a long list of reasons why that might be true. May well be that we're all so conflicted, including the preacher, that we do not know how to mold those two worlds together of Bethlehem and Rome. But she said, on this night, we are all very much the same. We yearn to hear a message of new beginnings, restored relationships, a hopeful future. Whoever you are, the preacher is here tonight in solidarity with you. A person who, like you, has known both the joy and the pain, the light and the shadow, the exuberant thrills and the bitter disappointments of this mortal life. Anyone here not able to identify with that? It's my story and it's your story. We bring it all to this place tonight. She said this was why she was taking her seven-year-old granddaughter to see the Nutcracker at Lincoln Center. She said it was for more for herself than for her granddaughter because she desperately needed, after living in the world she was living in, to be touched by magic. She needed to be comforted by the magic of a world in which there are always happy endings. Magic is what we want rather than the truth of reality. She said to that congregation that she had served 17 years before, I'm not the same person I was. I'm a lot older and a lot wiser. 
I've seen many things in my own family and among my parishioners that I could only dimly imagine when I was in my 30s. Many severe illnesses, much despondency, many misdeeds and failures, and much death. And I'm a miserable offender, she confessed, a sinner like everyone gathered that evening and gathered this evening. But I'm not embarrassed, she said, to stand here and tell you that I believe Jesus to be the unique Son of God, my Savior and my King. In and of myself, I bring you nothing that will last any longer than these candle flames. They don't last too long, do they? They burn out. But I do not bring just myself. For those whose ears are anointed by the Holy Spirit tonight, I bring the gift of faith, of hope, of love. I bring my deepest conviction, tested in the flame, that the ancient Christian message is the truth yesterday, today, and forevermore. And what she was saying, I'm willing to stake my life upon the truth of the gospel of the good news. I declare to you that the baby in the manger, the Son of God, that's who he is. The message of the angel is that the course of human history has been reversed by this only one who has the power to reverse it. It is God himself who enters history on Christmas Eve with the promise that in the kingdom that has no end, sadness will be turned into joy, sin will be vanquished by righteousness, and death will be overcome by resurrection. For behold, I bring you good tidings of a great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto us is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Tonight I stake my life, my very identity, all that I am and all that I ever hope to be upon the good news of this message announced by the angels. I'm a citizen of Rome. I'm a citizen of Bethlehem. I'm a citizen of this human history, and we all are. But, has been, but what has been introduced into our life, into the spirit of our times, and into the human heart is the message that God is good, that God is great, that God is love, that God is spirit, and he wants to come and live within every human heart. And we find that reality of God's kingdom beginning in the manger as we in humility surrender ourselves to believe, to trust, and to obey to be his faithful disciples. May God grant us the grace to live in that reality from this, e from this evening on. Join me in prayer. Dear God, we do turn to you. We are so grateful that you came for us, that you found us, that you acted to rescue us, and that in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, you reconciled us to yourself and us to one another. And you are at work giving us the mind of Christ, the mind of humble servanthood, 
You place this church in this place, in this time, and churches in every community and in every nation to be witnesses to the light, to live into the greater reality of your kingdom. So we ask that you will touch us each tonight in a special way. It is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. We present our Christmas offering.
holy child of Bethlehem. We bring you these gifts with hearts full of gratitude tonight, for you came to live amongst us, Lord of the universe, restrained in swaddling clothes, Savior of all, cradled in the arms of your mother, Prince of Peace, born into a world so weary of conflict. With the angels, we long for peace on earth, a peace that is broader and deeper than the end of war. O Son of the Most High, Prince of Peace, have mercy on planet earth. Wherever there is war, wherever there is pain, wherever there is loneliness, wherever there is fear, wherever there is no hope, Come with healing in your wings. Bring your peace on earth and goodwill among us all. Use us and use these gifts for your purposes in this world, even as we pray for the day when your will is done on earth as in heaven, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. As we exit the church tonight, you'll be given a candle, and if the wind is not blowing too badly outside, we're going to gather uh, and sing Silent Night, Holy Night. It's a special time, and um, love to just say hello to as many of you as we possibly can following the singing, and we wish you a really Merry Christmas, and may the joy of heaven 
and of Bethlehem be very much alive in your heart. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. together. 